may be seated. Church, have you, uh, have you been to church this morning already? Right? Wow. Thank you, worship team. Uh, they never disappoint. They never disappoint. I'm glad you're here this morning. My name is Luke. Welcome to Holland Chapel. Are you ready to worship the Lord through the word this morning? I want you to go to, uh, go to 2 Timothy. Last week, if you remember, we, we started this new letter. We gave a lot of history, a lot of context as to what's, to go, what, what's going on. But, but as we read the first chapter, it was glaringly obvious that Paul was instructing Timothy. He was breathing encouragement into his son in the faith, and, and he was telling him not to be ashamed of the gospel, that he was telling him to, to stand tall, that, that as you claim me, as you start to fan the flame of that spiritual gift and, and begin to be used by God, people are going to hate you. The, the world's going to come after you. They're, they're going to persecute you. In the words of Christ, he says, because they hated me, they're going to hate you also. So he was telling his son in the faith, stand tall. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. So hopefully last week that filled your heart with a little bit of, in, of encouragement, maybe a little bit of conviction, but, but it emboldened you to stand for the gospel. That was my prayer as we worked through the first letter. The second letter or the, the first chapter, the second chapter, we, we see something very, very important take place. And we're going to read in just a moment this particular passage, and it can be a little bit confusing. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a warning. I need you to pay attention this morning. I need you to tune in. I don't need you scrolling Facebook. I don't need you sleeping. Here's the deal. There, there's not just this, this curtain up here that I can't see you. I've got the height advantage, church. I've got the height advantage. I, I know. Listen, if you blank out on this one, it could confuse you for eternity. I, I need you honed in from start to finish. This one's really important. But what, what Paul is doing here, what we're going to read... It's, he's, he's not talking to the lost. He, he's talking to Timothy. So, so if you're a lost person here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You don't have the Spirit of God living within you. This may be a little bit confusing. Or, or maybe if your understanding of the gospel is just beginning, this may be a little confusing to you. So I want you to pay attention this morning. We've got some things we need to address and to clean up and to clear up for us. I do not want to confuse you. What, what Paul is going to be talking about in just a second is sanctification, looking more like Jesus. So let's look. 2 Timothy. We're going to begin chapter 2, verse 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. It's Paul, of course, writing to Timothy. He says, do your best. I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hamenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. 
They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So as we read this, church, you can see how there's, there's a portion there that might be a little confusing. That, uh, that just on surface level, as we read this, you may be asking yourself this question, does Does Paul really tell Timothy that we all have to be these shiny, clean objects if God wants to use us? I I thought that God can use anyone. Like, I grew up singing, uh, come just as you are. Is that a lie? Right? If we're looking at this, sometimes things just don't make sense on the surface. So you may be asking yourself that question, what's, what's going on here? But here is where context matters so much. Right here, right now, listen to me, church. Paul is not talking about salvation. Did did you hear that? That's really, really important for us to understand. Paul is talking to Timothy. Of course, we know that Timothy is redeemed. He's saved. This is not a context of salvation. Paul is not telling Timothy that for you to be saved, first of all, for God to approve of you, you, you have to clean yourself up. Church, that's not the gospel at all, at all. Nowhere in there does it say we've got to make ourselves right, we've got to clean up our act before God can accept us. God saves us while we were still sinners. That's why Keaton was, was reading the word of God and explaining that for us this morning, that salvation is nothing that we can do or earn. It's given to us by God. Praise God. Amen? We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's no amount of cleaning up your life to make God approve of you. It doesn't work that way. So we need to understand the context of the passage this morning, because I don't want you to be confused into thinking that I've got to clean my life up for God to save me. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about sanctification. What happens after we place our faith in Jesus. God wants us to pursue righteousness. If we're going to be changed people, if we've been changed by the gospel, then our lives should be evident of it. We should live a life that's changed by the gospel. That means moving towards righteousness and and holiness. Those are things that are given to us, but we start living it out. So please don't be confused by the passage this morning. It's not speaking of salvation. It's talking about sanctification. Remember that Jesus does the cleaning for salvation, and he does the cleaning for the sanctification through the power of the Holy Spirit. This message that Paul is writing is for those of us that are saved. 
So what is Paul saying to Timothy in this analogy? What's, what's, Paul, what's Paul writing to him? He, he's saying, Timothy, my son, if, if you want God to use you, like if you really want God to use you in this life, get yourself ready to be used. That's what he's saying to his son in this analogy. Literally what he's talking about is in these fancy homes, in these big houses, there, there are utensils that are, which one do you think the master wants to use, Timothy? Like, like if you want to be used, get it together. If you want to be used, pursue righteousness. If you want to be used, start looking like Christ, Timothy. In this context, he's talking about false teachers, that there's, there's two different groups within the church. And he's like, listen, son, you've got to cleanse yourself from the latter. There are those within the church that are promoting Christ, that are pursuing righteousness, and there are those in the church that are not. And he's saying, if you want to be used, man, cleanse yourself from the latter. Start to separate yourself from those that could care less. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? It sounds harsh. But listen, when, when God changes you, he's got a lot in store for you. And he wants to use you. So he's saying, get it together. But we need to understand that both types of dishes are in the kitchen, right? They're both in the kitchen. One's just ready to be used and the other isn't. Do you want God to use you? I need a little bit of feedback this morning. Raise your hand if you want God to use you. Awesome. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever wondered why God isn't using you. Anybody ever wondered that? Maybe in that moment, you're a wooden spoon. Maybe in that moment, you're not ready. That's the reality of the conversation that we're having this morning. Now, now I know that this conversation, it sounds a little foreign to some of us, doesn't it? Some of you are thinking, man, Luke, you sound like a heretic, man. What's going on here? I thought God can use anybody. Sure he can. God can use anyone. God can save anyone. But what we read here in Scripture, that those that pursue righteousness, man, he's, he's got something special for you. He's got something special for you. But it may seem foreign this morning because we've left those messages about sanctification out. We don't talk about it much. Many of us, we come to church. These are all good things, okay? I'm not, not picking on any of these. Many of us come to church because we want, uh, we want, some, we want some encouragement, some good old-fashioned encouragement. Like we should, right? That's, that's good stuff. You should be here. This is a place where you can find encouragement. So many of us, we, we come to church because we might be hurting, right? I mean, life is coming at you. You're hurting and you need a little hope, so you come to church. That's awesome. You can find hope here in Jesus Christ. You can find that here. So some of you come here because, man, you know your life is twisted in sin. You need some answers. Man, this place, it's got answers. That's, all, that's good. That's good stuff. But many of us, if we're honest... We don't, we, don't, we don't search out on YouTube. We don't, we don't wake up on Sunday morning like, I can't wait to go to church to learn how filthy of a sinner I am. Anybody? Anybody type that in the YouTube search bar lately? Probably not. 
Like, those messages aren't popular. Like, that hurts. Like, when God is wanting to refine us for a holy life and righteousness, he's asking Luke, hey, Luke, take a knife and carve out of your heart all the nasty stuff. That hurts, church. Doesn't it? You been there? That sanctification process, is, is, it hurts. It's tough. It takes time. It takes effort and hard work. We don't, we don't pursue, we don't search out that type of message. So it's often left out, and it's one that we don't care much about. But there's nothing more hopeful and encouraging to the spirit of a child of God than looking more like God. That's what he wants out of you. That's what he wants. So I want to I say something. It's not going to be on the screen. If you're a note taker this morning, I really want you to write this down. This is not to be offensive. This is to make a strong point. It says this, God makes us holy, so we need to act like it. You writing that down? Make it, make it personal. God made me holy, so I need to act like it. I want you to write that down. I want you to hang on to that. I want you to hang on to that. It's crucial. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at 14 through 16. This is from the New Living. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Listen, church, as children of God, we we can't forget the fact that there is a standard of living that God calls us to. Do you understand that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? Of course he's gracious. Of course he's kind. Of course he looked at you in your sin and called you out of it. But because of that, he demands a life of righteousness and holiness. He, he says in, in his word, this is, this is Grandpa Peter at this time. He's like, listen, you, you didn't know any better then. You, you were living for yourself. You were living in sin, but God changed you. So live a life that's holy. Listen, growing up, we had, a, we had an inside dog. Don't do that now. But we had an inside dog back in the day, and, and it, we would give her a bath, right? You'd make that inside dog clean so I could stay inside. And, like, what's the first thing that a dog usually does? Like, when you give her a, a bath, like, we'd let her out to go to the restroom. She would find a, a, a giant pile of dirt and just roll around in it. You're like, no, anybody have a dog like that? This is ridiculous. Why do dogs do sort of that? They're a dog. They don't know that they're clean. They have no concept of that. You and I, we're, we're much different than that. Like, we know what it was like to be dirty, and now we know what it's like to be clean in the Spirit of God. Like, we've been forgiven. Our sins are washed away. And Peter's saying, because of that, be done with that way of living. Be done with your sin. Be done with that temptation. Be done. Live a life of holiness. 
You've been set apart. So, that's the big question this morning. Like, are, are, we, are we tired of our sin? Are we, do, do we want to pursue holiness and righteousness? Here's where so many of us are at this morning. We justify the sin in our life. We make excuses for the sin in our life. We know that we're wrong. If you've been made clean, you know when you're dirty. You you know when you mess up. The Holy Spirit tells you. And we justify the sin in our life. We make excuses for it. And if you're super spiritual, if you're you're, you're a really spiritual person, you, you will even use Bible characters to make you feel better about your sin. What do I mean? I've done this. I can speak to it. Like, uh, for example, like we, we use the story of, of King David. Man, what an awesome guy, right? Woo, fantastic. Following the Lord. The, the Word of God said, man, he's after God's own heart. It's awesome. Uh, uh, but, but David sinned. David uh, committed adultery. David murdered. Like, that, 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 uh, if he can do it, like, man, it makes me feel a little better about what I'm doing. That's not at all the purpose of reading David's story. And typically when we read that story, we leave out the part where God brings pain, God brings judgment, God brings death around his life to get him to a point of repentance, to get him to a point of right living. We leave that out. Listen to me, church. David is not a a bar-hopping character to make you feel better about the sin in your life. That's not how we treat that. God is asking of his children a right living, a holiness, because you've been made holy. Act like it. Don't justify the sin in your life to make you feel better about the poor choices. You've been made new. You've been made holy. And the word of God asks the children of God to live like it. And it's tough. It's tough, I know. But God wants us to pursue righteousness. What is righteousness? It means this. Right living. Right living. That's what God wants out of us. That's what he wants out of us. There's going to be a question on the screen. I do want you to write this down. It says, what happens when we pursue righteousness? What happens Now, remember, you've attained holiness, you've attained righteousness in and through the works of Jesus Christ. But what happens when we pursue a life that's evident of it? What happens when we pursue righteousness? We get all of these from verse 21 out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. The first thing that happens when we pursue righteousness is we become set apart. We become set apart. Depending on the version that you're reading, it means made holy or set apart as holy. This is the point in your life when we start to become distinguished, when we look a little different. When we pursue right living, we start to separate ourselves from the crowd. If you remember last week when we talked about being not ashamed, when we start living for the Lord, we're going to look a little different. When we start living for the Lord, we're going to be viewed a little different. When we start living for the Lord and pursuing righteousness, he's saying, listen, I'm going to set you apart. You're going to be a little odd for God. You know what I mean? A little odd for God. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You're probably thinking back in high school when there was that couple of people that are just super odd for God. Not too odd, you know, because we don't want to be that way, but odd for God. You're going to start looking a little different. You all right with that? When we start to pursue righteousness... He sets us apart. We become distinguished. 
we look a little different. But listen, we got to ask God for help with this. This is nothing that we can do on our own. We need his help in this pursuit of him. When we start to long for righteousness and holiness, we start to hate the sin in our life. And we look a little different. We'll be set apart. The next thing that we notice in verse 21 is that we will be available to be used. Available to be used. He wants to use you. So we ask that question, why isn't God using me? I'm not being used right now. Well, of course he's not. You're caught up in your own life. You're caught up in your own sin. You're caught up in your own selfishness. You're caught up in your own desires. There, there, there's no part of you that, that really wants to be used. You might say that you do, but your life is living in a way that's not evident of it. So, of course, God's not going to use you. But when we start to pursue righteousness and we start to pursue holiness and we say, God, you're it. I'm going to, man, I'm going I'm to read. I'm going to see what your word has for me. I, I'm going to grow my prayer life. I, I, I'm going I'm to pursue you and everything. I'm going to start to repent of my sin. I, I'm going to start choosing you over my flesh. Like when that starts to, to happen, you, you immediately become available to be used. I use the analogy of baseball. Do y'all remember several years ago when we would call in the cops in the ninth inning? You remember what I'm talking about? Man, that was an awesome point in the game, right? Either we're up by a whole lot or we need to, we need to finish strong, and they'd be like, all right, cops, come on in. And you just had total confidence when cops came in the game, didn't you, Razorback fans? You know what I'm talking about? Like you knew like, when he got called out of the bullpen, something awesome was about to happen. You had confidence in him because you knew he was ready. He, he, he had warmed up. He knew his, his time was coming. And, and, and then when he got the call, they buzzed down there, however that works. He came down. He was ready. You had confidence. But here's where a lot of us are at. We're, we're in the, the bullpen. We're not even warming up. We could care less that they're even playing a game. You're like, mm, let them do it. I want to do my own thing. But when we start to pursue righteousness, we make ourselves available. So when the time comes, depending on what version you read, it says a noble task. When the time comes, God rings down. He's like, hey, come on. You're ready. You're ready. You've shown me that, that, that you're ready. You're available. You, you desire to be used. Listen, church. God desperately wants to use you. But what kind of signal are you saying to him when you could care less? You're just living your life the way that you want to. And here's what he'll do. I, I, I know it. He'll say, you just live the way you want. I, I, I've got a drawer full of golden spoons that I can draw from. You just keep on being a wooden spoon. Listen, I'm not going to kick you out of the kitchen. You're mine. I'm not going to kick you out. But you just stay over there. God's desire for your life is to use you. Pursue righteousness. When we do, we immediately become available. This next thing that we see in verse 21 is that we become better equipped. Better equipped. Now notice what I 
did not put on the screen. I, I did not say more talented. I said better equipped. When we start to pursue righteousness, we become equipped to do the work. Listen to me. So, so many of us think that we have to have some special talent before God can use us. God could care less. Are you hearing me? God could care less about how talented you are or how not talented you are. God just wants you ready, and he'll do the equipping. He'll handle it. He certainly will. I want to be, can I just be super honest with you and, and just share a, a little maybe not so great point in my life? Can I do that? It goes back to college. That was a life, another life ago. Anybody know what I'm talking about? College, just another life ago. I was in college. I was in Bible college. And it was a small group of us, you know, learning about the Bible and how to preach and all that good stuff. And, and, and there, was this, there was this guy in our, in our friend group. It was pretty small because it's Bible college. You can laugh. It's okay. I'm not offended. I'm not offended at all. And uh, he, he, was just, he was one of those guys that just seemed to get, to get all the phone calls. You know what I'm talking about? If you've got a friend group, and it's just that one, man, that just, just this thing's happened for them. And if we're being honest, this is where I say I'm, just, I'm, I'm being real and raw with you. I was a little jealous. Well, the whole friend group was jealous. We're like, why, why does this guy always get the phone call to like preach the, 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 the church camps during the summer? Dude was making bank preaching. And we're like, well, we want some of that. Like, I want a little piece of the pie. Like, come on, we're preachers. And he, and he was getting all the gigs. He was getting all the cool stuff. We're like, what's, what's going on with that? And here's, here's why I'm being real. I'm just being so real with you. He, he wasn't the best preacher in the group. He's real. He wasn't. You can throw stones at me later. I'm just being honest. And so for all of the, the free, we were like, what is going on? Like, man, he's not the best in the group. But here's what set him apart. He wasn't doing what we were doing on Friday night. Did you catch that? God could care less about talent. When we pursue righteousness, he equips you for the work. So while we were living our college life, he was pursuing the Lord. He was pursuing righteousness. He was pursuing holiness. He was living his life embedded in the word of God. He was making himself available. He wasn't the all-star closer in the ninth, but he was ready and he was available, and God called him up all the time. And God's using him to this day because he's made himself available. And he's pursued righteousness, and he's allowing God to equip him. So when we pursue Christ in everything, when we pursue him, he's going to use you. He's going to set you apart. You're going to look a little different. But you've shown him, hey, I'm ready. I'm available. Use me. And when the time comes for that special noble task, he'll equip you to do the work. Do you believe that, church? You believe? I need you to believe it this morning. But I know it. Pursuing righteousness is tough. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take uh, a desire on, on your part to be done with the sin in your life. To ask God for help. God, help me to live a life that brings you honor and glory. Because you've been made holy. And we all need to start acting like it. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you this morning for how we can just be honest with our struggles. And we can be honest with the sin in our life. And 
if we've truly been changed by the gospel, we hate the sin in our life. And so God, I pray for those in this room this morning that, that have a deep desire to be used by you. I pray that you would help us all to understand the areas in our life that we need your help to overcome those vices, overcome that sin. Because we really, we want to be used by you. We know that you've got special tasks for us. Help us, God. Thank you so much for the cross. It's in the cross that we have salvation, not by anything that we've done, but through the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross. Help us, God, to look more like you. We ask everything in your son's precious name. Amen.